Live from the AP Dome, this is the AP Pod. I am absolutely not a prophet, AP, Aaron Poling. Nothing shows that more than my MLB mock draft. Coming up on today's show... Well, we've got an especially dirty hippie here down on the court trying to sink an impossible shot. My buddy Aaron McClory stops by and he's going to help me navigate through my mock draft. Let's start it. All right, Mr. McClory, let's start this. All right, so first overall, them Pittsburgh Pirates. I am very confident in this pick. I believe that it's going to be Marcelo Mayer. He's coming out of Lake Vista, California. He's a high school shortstop. All right, so uh, how does he fit in with the Pittsburgh Pirates system? Uh, So Pittsburgh's they need a long rebuild, kind of like what the Tigers are going through. They don't have much in their prospects. They have Key Bryant Hayes that made his debut, but I'm not sure he's going to be with the team because of his age when they're good next time. Mm-hmm. So, you start with the high school shortstop. He's your center stone corner piece of the rebuild, and then you slowly add assets with him. Just because, if you take lighter, he's 21 already. By the time you're good again, he's gonna be 25, 26 maybe. So if you take Mayer, he may be able to get to the majors by 20. He's that good. And then you have him for the next 15 years as your starting shortstop. <laughs> So number two, the Texas Rangers. I have the Texas Rangers taking son of former All-Star Jack Leiter. He's the son of Al Leiter, who was a very good pitcher in the major leagues for a very long time. I think Jack Leiter's better. And how do you think Jack Leiter fits in with the pitching rotation of the Texas Rangers? So the Texas Rangers, they have Dane Dunning, who they got from Chicago for Lance Lynn, who seems to be, once he finds his way, he's going to be a top-to-line starter. And then you have Jack Leiter, who's a bona fide number one. He tied Kumal Rocker for the lead in strikeouts in college baseball, and Jack Leiter pitched less innings. Oh, wow. So I really like Leiter's stuff. He's got an overhand curveball that breaks straight down. His slider has nasty east-to-west movement, has really good command of his changeup for a college pitcher. That's usually the last pitch that comes, but Jack Leiter has it all. He also has the best fastball in the class. It sits around like 92 to 93, but he can hump up to about 97 when he needs to. Go watch the last inning he pitched in the seventh inning of the College World Series. He was in trouble, humped up to 97, and I think that's why Jack Leiter. He should go number one in most drafts, but because he's a college pitcher and the Pittsburgh Pirates are so far away, I think he's going number two to Texas. Okay, so our team, the Detroit Tigers, picking at number three. What do you got? So do you like Joel Embiid? I do like Joel Embiid. Okay, so what if I told you that the Tigers are going to draft the Joel Embiid of baseball? Well, I'd like that. Do tell. Okay, so obviously being picked number three, that parallels. But Embiid didn't play basketball until he was like 16, correct? Right. Well, Joby didn't play, or Jackson Joby, excuse me, is the kid's name. He's out of Oklahoma City. He didn't play baseball until he was 14. He's a big kid. He probably is going to be about 6'5", 6'6", on the mound pitching. He's over the top, has the best slider in the draft as a high school kid, has three advanced pitches, probably working on a curveball. He'll probably need a curveball if he wants to stay in the rotation in the majors. But he has the highest spin rate, which is something that is focused on a lot in Major League Baseball. And that spin rate on his slider is what makes it so devastating. He can land it for a strike. He can throw it off the plate and get a swing and miss. His ERA was .09 this year that's insane granted it is high school but that's still incredible 
Oh, absolutely. And the Tigers already have three potential top-of-the-line arms in their starting rotation, so getting a pro-ready arm like Joby, that could be huge. He's the furthest along high school pitcher since Dylan Bundy. He's going to be better than Bundy, I think. But Dylan Bundy maybe could have pitched after a half season in the minor leagues in the pros or in the majors. And I think Jackson Joey, by the time he's like 20, 21, I think he'll be a full-time starter in the Tigers rotation. And at number four, the Boston Red Sox. So there's a couple players linked here. Henry Davis, the catcher out of Louisville, but I don't, I don't foresee the Red Sox going with a catcher. I foresee them going with Kumal Rocker, the second pitcher out of Vanderbilt. They've been linked pretty heavily to him. All right, so how does he fit? He's a big dude that has nasty stuff. Him and Joby kind of battled for the best slider. He's got a wipeout slider that's worked on a college level where Joby hasn't quite done that. All right. The one thing I do worry about him is his starts when they play better teams haven't been that great. Like in the College World Series, he kind of threw a clunker in Game 3. Hmm. So how does he fit with the rest of the Red Sox pitching rotation? He's something that they don't really have. Nate Avaldi. he throws really hard, but he's more of a up and down, get you with the fastball, where Kumal Rocker is going to get after you with the slider. His fastball does touch 99. His bread and butter, though, is his slider. Fifth overall, the Baltimore Orioles. So I think Baltimore is going to go a little on the cheap here. They're going to go Khalil Watson, who is a shortstop out of Wake Forest. Um, he's a high school shortstop, not Wake Forest College. Um, they're going to go cheap here just because they have a couple picks in the competitive balance round and then another second-round pick that they may be able to spend some of their bonus pool on and maybe get a better player in those rounds. All right. So when it comes to the Orioles, like their upcoming roster, how's this player fit with them? So the one thing I do think they're missing is a shortstop prospect. They got Ryan Mountcastle, who's hitting bombs. He was the AL Rookie of the Month. Uh, Trey Mancini's still there. I don't know where he fits long-term, but he's a really good hitter. He's their first baseman. Khalil Watson, I'm saying he's a cheaper player, but don't get me wrong. Like, He's still the fourth-best prospect coming into the draft. He just happens to play at a position where two players are ahead of him. He's going to be a fantastic player. He dominated last summer's uh, pre-draft circuit, and that's basically how he got himself into this position. All right, and at sixth overall, the Arizona Diamondbacks are taking... So the Arizona Diamondbacks have a draft philosophy. They pick as many players in the middle, so that means center fielders, shortstops, catchers, pitchers. It's about the four they're going to draft, and I think they're going to go with shortstop Jordan Lawler out of Jesuit Prep, Texas. All right, and uh, how does both how does this affect the Diamondbacks, and like what does this strategy entail? So the strategy is they get the best athletes they can from that play shortstop, center field, catcher, pitcher, because you believe that you can turn all center fielders into either a left or a right fielder because they have the athleticism. Same with shortstop and around the diamond. The problem with that is usually shortstop, center field, those two aren't exactly power-hitting positions. But that doesn't matter with Lawler. Lawler is going to be a power hitter in the majors. He is his best comp is Carlos Correa. Like I've seen on MLB Network, they've done side by side. They look very, very similar. He's going to grow into a body like that. I think Jordan Lawler is going to be a really good shortstop in the league for a really long time. 
And at seventh overall, Kansas City. They go shortstop Brady House. For sure. I really wanted to have them take Henry Davis, but Sal Perez, Henry Davis' catcher, Salvador Perez, is a catcher who is going to be there for a very long time. He's just that good. Brady House is a shortstop. They already have Bobby Witt, who is going to be a very, very good shortstop for a long time. But Brady House kind of grades out more as, more as a third baseman. So I think that's why they can make this pick. They move him to third. Then you have House and Witt as you're the left side of your infield for years to come. All right. So when it comes to the Royals, like how much does this fill out their roster going forward? This would make them have a very good left side of the infield that has power, really good defensively, especially if you're taking a shortstop moving him to third. He's going to be a very solid defensive third baseman. So you're probably looking at your shortstop third baseman possibly being your three, four hitters. That'd be something. That's definitely not a bad place, and they have other prospects coming up. Dayton Moore's done a fantastic job of retooling on the fly. And I think Brady House is probably going to be the one that puts them over the top. And at Super 8, the Colorado Rockies. I'm going off the board here. If Brady House is available, he doesn't get past the Rockies. He's the replacement to Trevor Story. But I think the Rockies are looking at a high school bat. And I'm going to have them take Benny Montgomery, who's an outfielder from Redland, Georgia. This is a little off the board. He's kind of expected to go later, but I think he's the type of bat that would play very well in Colorado. So you're taking an outfielder here, and I get that I get taking a power hitter for the Colorado Rockies, but how does this uh, affect their soon-to-be-very-depleted infield going forward? I mean, they're going to be bad. Mm. They're just going to have to face the facts. They're going to be bad. Uh, they're going to have a bunch of fill-ins there. They're kind of they're going to have to patch it together. I mean, Brady House, even if you take him, he's not coming to the majors right away. But you just got to go, I think you have to go best young bat available in high school, which I think at this point is Benny Montgomery, just because they're nowhere near close to being ready to be good. They've had Trevor Story the past few years. They haven't been good. They had Nolan Arenado. They weren't good then. They had Troy Tulowitzki. Weren't that good then. So whatever the problem is, they need to fix it. And I think they need to slow down and just rebuild the whole entire system. They're going to be bad. They could possibly get three number one overall picks in a row. Wouldn't possibly. But they're too good at home for that. That's their biggest issue, I think, is when they're rebuilding, they beat everybody at home because you're playing at mile-high altitude. Mm-hmm. All Colorado teams have that advantage. Yep. All right. At number nine, we have the uh, Los Angeles Angels. Yeah, I don't really like talking about the Angels because everyone talks about the Angels, and they're a really not that great team. Exactly. It's just Trout, Otani, and... Every year now. But their big weakness is pitching, and they're going to address that with right-handed pitcher Ty Madding coming out of Texas. All right. So how does he mesh with, or how does he mesh with uh, this roster? So the Angels need pitching desperately. So if the Tigers don't take Joby, this is where Joby's going to go. They need dominant pitching. They don't have a front-of-the-line starter. They don't have a really good pitching prospect. They just need it in the worst way because their offense, year in and year out, their offense is always really good. 
despite having Albert Pujols the last few years who wasn't as good as he could have been, their offense still finds a way. Their pitching is what lets them down. And I think this is going to be the start of it with Ty Madden. So at 10th overall, we have the New York Mets. So Henry Davis is the best college bat available. He's the best college catcher, best catcher available. Has the best arm in the draft class, and he's going to the New York Mets. And I honestly think you have the middle of the order with Pete Alonzo, Francisco Lindor, and then Henry Davis, you add him to that mix. That's going to be a really solid core of the lineup for the next 10 years. And how quickly do you think Davis can get into this lineup? Uh, One to two years from now. They have James McCann, who's their everyday starter, but I don't know how well he fits as an everyday starter. His best roles have always been as a backup catcher, mm-hmm. where in Chicago when he had his best year, he wasn't out there every day. And I think Henry Davis, James McCann would also be the perfect backup for Henry Davis. McCann has a great arm, and you can kind of teach him the ropes, teach him how to catch DeGrom. Oh, yeah. That could also be how that works out. Henry Davis catches three of five days. McCann catches DeGrom and, say, Syndergaard. That could work. I love this pick. If this pick happens, I love it. This is one of my favorite picks that I had written down. I didn't realize Henry Davis slid this far. He's got a range of probably four to ten. He could go at any of those picks. He just has that good of a bat. And at number 11, we have the Washington Nationals. So when you think about the Nationals, what do you think about? You think about dominant top-of-the-line starters. You think about starters that pitch well in big games. Well, I have them taking Will Bednar, the right-handed pitcher out of Mississippi State, that helped pitch his team to a College World Series championship. There we go. So how quickly do you think he's going to get into the starting rotation in the majors? I'd say two to three years. They're probably not going to pitch him as much this year just because he's already over 110 innings, or about at 110 innings is what a college season for a starting pitcher is. So I think they're going to probably throw him maybe 30 to 40 in the minor, shut him down, and then give him next next full year, and then he'll definitely be a starter then. So I give it about a year and a half. All right. So um, the rest of the pitching rotation, like how does he fit in with them? So he's nasty. He throws hard like Strasburg. He doesn't have Strasburg stuff, but no, not a lot of people have Strasburg stuff. Mm-hmm. He has a really good pitch ability, really good head on him, and he's good in the big moments. That's what I like about him. There's just certain pitchers. Jack Leiter's one of them. They're just really good in the really big moments. And I think that will really play into Washington's favor because they're not too far away. They have Juan Soto, Trey Turner, and they have a very solid core of young players. And, of course, this team just won a World Series a couple years ago. Yeah, and they did it relatively young, so I would expect them once they retool on the fly and they get a few more of these young players, especially a pitcher this year, I think they're going to be really good. They also have another pitcher in their minor league system that's a top 70 prospect. So, I mean, their rotation in three years could be that guy, um, Bednar, and then Strasburg as your top three. So 12th overall, the Seattle Mariners. So I think the Mariners are a team that's not too far off. They're having a really good season this year. I don't know if this translates into them being really good next year. I think they may have a down year, come back to earth a little bit. But I think the last piece of the puzzle for them to be a very solid team 
Matt McLean, shortstop, UCLA. All right, and how do you think McLean helps them get over that hump into the playoffs? So McLean gives them versatility. He's a shortstop. He can play second. He could also bump J.P. Crawford, their current shortstop, to second when he comes up. And that just makes their that makes their defense special. Just because Crawford's really good at short, or even McLean goes to second. And as a shortstop transitioning to second base, he's going to be able to play second, and he's going to have a lot of range doing it. They have a couple outfield prospects that are very, very good. Uh, Logan Gilbert pitched seven innings of one-hit ball against the Yankees today. So I don't think the Mariners are too far away. And at lucky number 13, the Philadelphia Phillies. So I have them taking a right-handed pitcher out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I've been practicing that one all day. His name is Andrew Painter. All right, so how does he fit in with this lovely little roster here? So the Phillies need pitching badly. Should they go for a college pitcher? Possibly. But I think they just they would rather have the high schooler that they can develop into the pitcher they want. I personally don't know much about Painter, and me picking him is basically more on reading stuff that the Phillies really like this kid. I don't know much about him, but I know that the Phillies really like him, and that's why I think he goes here. And do you think they're better off taking a win-now option, like a win-now option, or like a longer, slower-developing option? So they're paying Bryce Harper about $70 trillion for the next one million years. Mm Mm-hmm. They need to win now because they're not going to be able to offload that contract. Bryce Harper, he's not an all-star this year. He hasn't been an all-star for a while. I think his MVP was shoddy. I don't even think he should have been MVP that year. And even since that year, he's been kind of just... Meh. Yeah. He's not a player that I would personally think about paying $300 million. So they have him, JT Rolamuto. He's signed for a long time, too. So they got to get going and get some pitchers now. But I think they're going to spend more in the offseason than they are going to try to build through the draft. And at 14, we've got the San Francisco Giants. I like this pick for San Francisco because he's a kind of a Hunter Pence mold that bats left-handed. He's a small dude. I don't want to say he has a wonky swing. He has a pretty good swing. But he just hits to all fields. And I really enjoy Sal Freelich, the outfielder from the Boston from Boston College. All right, so how does he fit with this roster? So I think they really need an outfielder in the next two to three years. That's what's going to put them over the top. They're going to lose Brandon Crawford this offseason. He's an underrated shortstop to free agent to be. But they have his replacement in the minors already. With He's like the 63rd top prospect and out of the top 100. So, I mean, that'll be an easy replacement. But I think they need an outfield bat just because Yastrzemski – He was an older prospect when he arrived in San Francisco. So they just need some youth infused into that outfield. He's also very solid defensively, too. He was used more on the corners at Boston College, but he could play center field in the majors. And in that ballpark, you definitely need someone to go get it. All right, so at number 15, we've got the Brew Crew. And what do you have to say about the Milwaukee Brewers? They're going to go Colton Kowser, outfielder Sam Houston. He is ranked by MLB Network, or MLB.com, excuse me, not the network, as the top outfield college prospect in the draft. I believe he is going to be one of the hitters that's first to the league. I think he's a complete hitter. 
and that's something that Milwaukee needs because they have a dominant rotation of Woodruff, Corbin, and Peralta. Those three right there, you could put those three up against any other top three rotation in the in the league, and I think they're going to hold their own. But their biggest issue is their offense has been anemic since Christian Yelich got hurt. So in terms of like hitting prospects, how does he fit in with them? Or would he be the best hitting prospect, I should say? He would instantly become Milwaukee's best hitting prospect. He would instantly become their top overall prospect, I believe, too. He's just a bat that I think would really help them in, say, summer 2023 if they're chasing down a division. And they insert him into the lineup and add, like, a jolt of energy from a top prospect is something that can really, really energize a lineup that's been grinding through it all year. Think about when the Tigers brought up Avicio Garcia. He didn't hit particularly well, but the excitement around him, I think that probably won them three or four more games just because of that. And I think that is something that Kowser will definitely be for the Brewers in two or three years. All right, so at 16, we've got the Miami Marlins. So we got two-way prospect Bubba Chandler. I think he projects to be a better shortstop than pitcher. But I think if he really wanted to, he could do both. There's a tide turning in the game where I think more kids are going to get a chance to do both because of Shohei Otani. So how do you think, like, obviously I'm not expecting him to be a superstar like Otani, but where do you project his uh, status in the league? I think he'd be like an average, an average to above average shortstop. Maybe hit, I'd say, I've seen 250 from, like, scouts basically trying to project out his stats, but with really good defense. And then I think he's probably like a four or five starter. He throws hard. His off-speed stuff, his secondary stuff, isn't as polished as some of the other pitchers in the draft, and I think that's why he's not projected as a pitching prospect as much. But I think he can learn that in the minor leagues. And it's going to take a lot of work for him to have good enough stuff to become a major league starter. So I think shortstop where he's going to start, I think – because the Marlins are an organization that kind of thinks outside of their bo- outside the box, I think they're going to give it a try. Will it be a Brendan McKay situation in Tampa Bay where he just turns out to be a pitcher? Possibly. Or they can move him to short. I think it just gives them plenty of options if you take a two-way player like this. All right, and the Cincinnati Reds at number 17. So this is a player that I believe will be the first pitcher to the majors and it's Jordan Wicks left-handed pitcher out of Kansas State and it's just because he's polished he's a very high floor low ceiling guy like he commands the strike zone better than a lot of a lot of college pitchers I've seen and maybe even some major league pitchers but he's a crafty lefty too and that's what I really like about him too is he knows how to miss barrels he knows how to get outs he's not going to strike a ton of people out but I think there's still some value, especially with the Cincinnati Reds, in a left-handed pitcher that throws about 91 to 93. But they know how to keep you off balance and get you to roll over to the shortstop or pop up to the center fielder. And you think he's, like, the pitcher he is now, you think he's going to, like, kind of remain that for the rest of his career? His velocity might go up a tick, but I think he's going he's gonna to be more of a fool type fooling hitters type pitcher than he is going to be blowing it past hitters type pitcher and I believe right now he could step off the mound at Kansas State and he could pitch out of the bullpen for the Reds 
he does that well against lefties. He just knows how to get people out. And that's valuable for, quite frankly, any organization. If an organization like Chicago, because they've done this before with Chris Sale, but if Chicago were to dra- if Wicks fell to him and Chicago White Sox drafted him, I believe he'd pitch in the postseason. Hmm. He'd be on the roster. I think he'd stay in the bullpen. And I think he'd pitch in the postseason this year. That's a lot of good experience, too. Nice. And at number 18, we've got the St. Louis Cardinals. What you got? So I have the St. Louis Cardinals going Gunner Hoagland, right-handed pitcher out of Mississippi. I don't know much about him, but I do know if he hadn't had Tommy John surgery, he'd be a top 10 pick. Hmm, So that upside, how does that help the rotation? Obviously, you're going to get a top 10 pick into the rotation after he comes back from Tommy John surgery, which... That used to be a death sentence, but with the way technology is today, it seems like almost every pitcher in the majors, that's a, that's an exaggeration, mm-hmm. but a lot of pitchers come back from Tommy John surgery. Look at Tarek Skubal. Skubal would have been, I'd say, a first-rounder if he wouldn't have had Tommy John surgery, but he fell to the ninth round. The Tigers picked him. Now he's a top-of-the-rotation guy. Mm-hmm. Plus, the Cardinals have done this before with Adam Wainwright. Adam Wainwright had Tommy John. And he recovered, and he was fine. So the Cardinals know how to rehab a pitcher with Tom, coming back from Tommy John surgery. And I think once he gets to, like, a professional training staff, I think it's going to be that much faster for his recovery. It's going to take him probably two to three years after that to get back to – or to get to the majors. It'll take him probably a year to rehab and do three-inning starts. But I f- feel like after that, they're going to have a great prospect on their hands that – is really getting overlooked because of his injury. And at 19, we go across the border to Toronto and the Blue Jays. What you so got? So I have the Blue Jays taking Anthony Solamento. He's a left-handed pitcher out of Bishop Eustis Preparatory in New Jersey. High school pitcher. All right. And this is another one of those where it's not because I know a lot about the kid. It's more of like he's been cemented in. Like it's very well known that the Blue Jays love this kid. And I just don't see anybody else taking him, so he falls to them. To me, it's kind of weird that the Blue Jays want him because they're about ready to contend. Maybe they want to inject him in probably two years into their contention, but you'd think they'd want to go college pitcher that can help them almost immediately. So their pitching rotation, like, it evidently needs the help. What's their uh, outlook? Um, So they have, they have Hung Jing Ryu, who's kind of had a down year this year by his standards. And then it's a lot of three to four guys that I really couldn't name for you because I haven't watched much of the Blue Jays, but there's not very many pitchers that they have that just stand out as someone that can take you over the top. This kid, in four or five years, could be one of those. Dominant left-hand pitching is hard to come by, and I think that's kind of what the Blue Jays are banking on, is that this kid will be a dominant lefty when he makes it to the majors. So at number 20, we've got the New York Yankees. The Yankees desperately need pitching, so I have them taking college pitcher Sam Bachman, right-handed pitcher out of Miami, Ohio. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but he's a college pitcher, and the Yankees desperately need pitching. So uh, do you project this kid to actually stick with the Yankees in the majors, or do you think they're going to end up trading him as a young asset for an uh, established name? Yeah, just because they're not 
anywhere near ready for the playoffs this season. I don't think they're going to trade any of their assets. So if he can make it past next year, I think he'll make it to the Yankees. I think he will play for them just because they don't really have a bunch of assets in their minor leagues that they can just keep pulling them up to the big leagues and succeeding. They have a bunch of their supposed to be top prospects that were supposed to be good. They're at the majors and they're struggling right now. And at number 21, we've got the Chicago Cubs. So they're going to lose Chris Bryant this after this year, and I don't think that's a secret. I think most people know that. Mm. So I think they're going to get Chris Bryant's replacement in Colson Montgomery. He's a third baseman, or he's a shortstop that projects to play third base from Indiana. He, I think he's going to be very strong defensively at third. He's got a bat, and I think that's the biggest thing that the Cubs are looking at is he's got power in his bat, and I believe it's going to be a really good fit for him. And uh, how else are they doing in terms of power hitting in the prospect pool? Not much, just because they've been so good for so long that it's tough to find power bats, mm-hmm. just because they don't fall that far usually. Makes sense. But this is gonna, this is really going to help them in their next rebuild. I don't know if they re-sign Baez or Rizzo or Bryant or a combination of the three. But I believe this kid will be a good start into getting back to where they were. And at number 22, the other Chicago team, the White Sox. Chase Petty, right-handed pitcher from New Jersey. This kid's touching 100 miles an hour consistently with ease. He's nasty. Like, I kind of, like, really hope he falls to the competitive balance picks so the Tigers could take him. But he projects more of as a bullpen guy just because not very many starters out that aren't named Jacob deGrom can just sit at 100. Mm-hmm. And how quickly do you think he can get up into the White Sox Major League uh, roster, help them out? It's going to take him a few years. He has a fantastic fastball, but his off-speed stuff's not quite there. In the majors, you can throw 100 miles an hour, but if you don't have off-speed, they can still hit you pretty good. Mm-hmm. So I think once he develops maybe a slider and a changeup, I don't even think he needs to develop a changeup. I think if he just goes fastball slider as a bullpen guy, that's enough to get him by as an eighth inning, ninth inning possible closer. But if he develops a changeup and maybe stretches out a little more, throws a couple more, throws a lot of innings in the minors, he could be a dominant starter if he could really find his stuff. And at number 23, one of the Tigers' biggest rivals, I personally think their biggest, the Cleveland Indians. So I have the Cleveland Indians taking Harry Ford, a prep catcher out of the state of Georgia. So Georgia has actually the state itself. They have had they have produced a first-round catching prospect in the last seven drafts. So it's not a surprise coming out of Georgia that they have a catcher. But he is definitely he's ahead of the other prep catcher that is a potential first-round pick. And I think his bat sets him apart. He's not as good defensively. He's not as polished defensively as, say, you know, a Henry Davis. But Davis also had two years in college at Louisville. But I think this kid could potentially become an everyday catcher for a team that, let's be honest, they've really struggled behind the plate for a while now since they lost Victor Martinez. And uh, do they have any other catchers in the wings? No, not really. So I think this is why this is a perfect pick for them. They really need to replenish that spot. All right, and at 24 overall, we've got the Atlanta Braves. 
So they're going to take right-handed pitcher out of UC Santa Barbara, Michael McGreevy. So McGreevy is one of the wild cards in this draft. He could go anywhere from possibly number 15 all the way down to out of the first round. So once again, he's another kid that I don't really know much about. I didn't get a chance to watch UC Santa Barbara, but it's another one of those where he's been tied to this team. This team needs pitching in a bad way, especially after Mike Soroka tore his Achilles for the second time. And they have no idea what he's going to be when he comes back. So how quickly do you think uh, he'll make it to the MLB? Oh, I'd say he's probably got two, three years. A lot of first-round pitchers, they usually make it to the MLB two, three years by the time they're 23, 24, just because they're a little more polished coming in. And I also think that the Atlanta Braves are in such a need, and they're usually pretty good. They're going to bounce back next year. I think they're going to contend for the NL East more than they are this year just because they've had so many things go wrong. Like, Freddie Freeman's had a down year for his standards, and I don't think you're going to get two bad years out of Freddie Freeman in a row. So I think he'll be able to boost the Atlanta rotation when it comes back. Or when Soroka comes back, they'll be able to add Soroka and this kid. And I think that's going to probably put their rotation with Ian Anderson. That top three is going to be pretty solid. And at number 25, the Oakland Athletics. So I think they're taking Isaac Pachechu. I'm not sure how to say it, but this kid's bat got some thunder in it. So I think the best comp to him is he looks like Matt Chapman, the current A's third base. This kid's got some thunder from the left side. He's out of uh, Friendswood, Texas. But this is a kid that I think he's going to be. He's going to be a power hitter when he gets to the league. He's not maybe not 30 to 40, but. 20 to 25 is not out of his range. He just has such a sweet swing. And I also love that he does the Adrian Beltre to one knee with a golf shot home run. I love that. And where do you project him playing in the field? Probably third base. Just because he's not going to be a shortstop. He already plays third base in high school. And it's going to be more about the bat for him. So if he can play third or first and be a little versatile, I think that just makes the value on this kid a little higher. And at 26th overall, we've got the Minnesota Twins. So I have the Minnesota Twins taking Gavin Williams, the right-handed pitcher from East Carolina. This is purely a need, and he was the best college pitcher available. The Twins believe that they are not too far away from contending again. I think they also believe that this year's an outlier. Next year it'll be much better, which I believe that too. I just think this is – this year was just a – perfect storm brewing for the Minnesota Twins organization. Like, it starts in the offseason, they lost to Keel Badu. Obviously, Badu probably wouldn't be on the team if he was still in the organization, but that's a big prospect to lose for nothing. And it's just kind of all snowball downhill for them this year. Well, how do you think this pitcher helps out their pitching rotation going forward? So their best trade piece at the deadline is Jose Barrios, because I don't think he's going to re-sign there after when he comes to UFA and not this season, but after next season. So I think they can get some good bats and a mid-level pitching prospect, and this guy would be another mid-level pitching prospect to add to that. And the Minnesota Twins have done a pretty good job in recent history of developing pitchers, and I think they can develop this kid into a pretty solid 2-4 to four arm in the rotation. Number 27, the San Diego Padres. They're going to go the other catcher that's coming out of high school to go in the first round they're gonna go Joe Mack 
out of East Amherst, New York. And I truly believe in about four years, this kid's going to be a defensive-minded catcher for them that has a little bit of pop in his bat. But it's the Padres. They're not going to need pop even then. They're going to have plenty of bats in the lineup. Exactly. They need someone to hold the glue down, hold like make sure you know no defensive lapses. And I think they, I think if they can mold a catcher the way that they want to coming through the minors, I think that'll do them a really big service. They also have a lot of middle infield prospects who are now trapped behind Fernando Tatis. So potentially you develop this kid, and now you have that other shortstop prospect. You can do a lot with it. It used to be thought that they may have to go get a catcher with him, but now it can be a combination of a starting pitcher and a few outfielders. This kid just adds to many possibilities that could be the San Diego Padres' possible dynasty just because they're a very young team that's really good already with a pretty good minor league organization. So at number 28, we've got the Rays from Tampa Bay. So is there many other organizations that you would trust in developing a left-handed pitcher? I mean, think about it. you got David Price, Matt Moore. Like, they all fast-tracked the majors. Cedric Yarbaugh, the current Rays. So I think they're going to go Kai Bush, left-handed pitcher out of St. Mary's University. And I honestly believe he's going to be one of those Tampa Bay pitchers in the next three to four years that you're going to see him and you're going to be like, wow, that was kind of a gem in the late round. Where do they keep finding these left-handed pitchers? Hmm. So how does he fit in with the rest of the rotation that's down there? Um, so by the time they, by the time he hits the majors, class now should be back, and he should be back to throwing a hundred with that nasty curve. Cedric Yarbaugh, he looks to be part of the rotation for a while, but outside of that, I don't really know who else will still be there. So I think that's potentially your top three by the time this kid hits the majors and as an everyday starter. Or not every day, but is a mainstay in the rotation. And last but certainly not least, the World Series champion L.A. Dodgers. Going Judd Fabian of the Florida Gators. He's an outfielder, and he was projected to be a top five pick coming into this year. And his tools, they're there, but he just has too much swing and miss. I think that's turned away a lot of clubs. But if there's one team that can figure him out and turn him into a superstar, it's the Dodgers, man. Mm-hmm. They just pump out talent. It's so crazy how great their organization is. So uh, with that in mind, how does he fit into the rest of the outfielding prospects and just the team as a whole? They're not going to be able to keep all of their you know, superstars unless they're going to pay like four or five players over a billion dollars, which they could. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think they're going to want to. So I think he'll be like one of the next wave of after they lose Cody Bellinger, possibly. He's going to be the next wave of outfielder that'll probably play left field for him and have some pop out of his left-hand bat. What a mock draft. It's probably going to go perfect. Tune in next episode so we can either bask in my almighty glory or we can laugh at how dumb I am. My guess is probably going to be the latter. But keep your ears tuned in because we're going to have a couple more mock drafts coming up with the NHL and the NBA. And I think myself and the especially dirty hippie trying to sink an impossible shot, we're going to go head-to-head. Little little friendly wager. He wins, he gets to walk into my apartment and break something. I win, I get to walk into his and break something. Probably not that extreme, but maybe. For Aaron McClory, I have been AP Aaron Poling. Gorillas, take me home.